Hey, 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 it's Saturday morning. We're out for a walk. Buds. Yeah, I don't know how many listeners I got out there, but uh, what the heck. I, I, I haven't podcasted in a while because I was traveling. It's June 22nd, so now the days are getting shorter already, but it's just starting to get smoking hot here in uh, Phoenix. It's uh, 7.24 in the morning, a little bit uh, late actually. But it's already 79 degrees, 32% humidity, which is a 46%. 40 percent, no, 46 degree dew point, which is really high, you know. But not too bad. And we're going up to 98 today, which is anything below 100 is pretty good for Arizona. So we're off, man. We're out walking. And the skies are blue. The moon is still up in the sky one of its positions i don't know if the right side of the moon is dark um, it's just the way the the moon orbits the earth so there you go and um yeah uh, i got a job interview on this morning that's pretty cool at 11 30 this morning so about was that four hours from now and a uh, small company, um, you know, could, could work out. Don't know. Um, it's about pilot training, which is kind of cool. And um, uh, I have another friend of mine I'm trying to connect with who's running a pilot school too. But uh, yeah, so Arizona's good for pilots. But this one's specialty training. It's what they call upset recovery prevention so there's more and more planes that are getting tossed because they've gotten the airplanes flying closer together so they uh, there's more and more training being required for pilots to uh, know how to handle funky situations so I can do that <laughs> but it's uh, it's also opening me up to other possibilities because I'm such an engineer thinker right that uh, and I grew up in a time where, like, you know, you, you get a job and you have this career and stuff. And I, I just, I guess I just didn't fit. I wasn't, I'm not a conformist enough to conform to things. And, uh, and that's probably throughout my whole life. And that's not a bad thing, right? Because, like, is it a bad thing? I don't know. Maybe it is. Uh, I had a good conversation last night with a guy about, hey, you be you, man. So I, I'm not a conformist. And I, I guess I have to appreciate conformity in other people like other people like to conform i don't know there's a comfort level in conforming and it's all these shoulds oh yeah i should do that and i should do this yeah they're doing that you know it's all this comparison game trap stuff so i'm i guess i'm starting to live free but if not i'm not really fully free yet but i'm heading that direction living in a freer mindset and uh but there's fundamentals that have come along the way like adding value and uh, where does someone add value right so I like this uh, the internet business is kind of because I'm an old dude right I'm an old dude so internet is kind of spooky you know but I stumbled on this thing and I'm kind of a slow person in many ways I'm, I'm slow and fast I'm all over the place but I know she adds value right so like I don't know how to write a book she knows how to do it all and, and I'm just happy with the way it's going. And it makes sense to me that 
it also fits my story too because <clears throat> Martin Luther and the Reformation kind of started with the printing press, right? So he was able to print stuff, get the Bible done in German, and just, you know, he could just, he could be a little bit of a rabble rouser, the dude, you know? It's great. And now with the internet and self-publishing, whoops, what happened here, bud? I got to get this. Hold on. You can um, self-publish. It's like a whole new world, man. So, and she's adding value to my life, so I'm willing to pay for that value, right? Now, I, you know, is it debatable how much, what's the actual dollar amount value? I don't know. It's hard to tell. But uh, that's what's happening. And, uh, hey, good morning. So, uh, there's a, uh, looks like some maids sitting in there. Look like they're from Mexico. Could be illegal. Could be legal. I don't know. I don't care. I do, it's not up to me, man. <laughs> Are they legal? And I love just coming back from Germany because they had the one million Syrians and Muslim refugees and stuff. And I, I may have talked about it, but when I went to Nuremberg, at the, I wanted to show my son the stadium where the old Nuremberg rallies were taking place. And my favorite, one of my, my favorite Nazis, Al Spear, was shooting the lights up, the light show. And uh, sure enough, we, we get, I got my video out and I'm walking over to the podium. And there's a Muslim there, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm so negative, right, and sarcastic. It's like, uh, oh, Muslims at the stadium, at the podium. And they're probably like, hey, this guy was on track, man. This guy, <laughs> this guy yeah, this, this, uh, this is a great place to be here. This is, we should celebrate being at the Nuremberg Rally where this guy was pontificating the elimination of a whole race of people, which isn't that, isn't that awesome? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm sarcastic, but and uh, and I can't read their minds, so I don't really know for sure. But it is rather uh, interesting why a Muslim-garbed people would would uh, find their way to the Nuremberg site, and and it's not that far-fetched to think that they approve of it, right? It's like, oh yeah, we love this place. This <laughs> there was so much hate hate espoused here, so much evil. Uh, that was uh, propagated from this location. So, so hey, let's go visit this place. And it was an ironic place because there was a rock concert that weekend or something. It was just a mess. And I'm like, what are the Germans doing? I like the fact that they don't destroy the place, but it's like in ruins. It's really, it's just a really ugly place, which is okay, you know. And it's in decay, of course. But then they then to have a host a rock concert there just is like bizarre to me. It was just really, really weird. And there's trash, and they had all these porta potties everywhere. I don't know. It's just like, really, you're gonna go to a rock concert at the Nuremberg Rally site? I don't know. It's just, it's just bizarre. But that's what I love about Germany, man. They, there's uh, all kinds of things, and I, and it is true. I mean, I'm kind of a whack job German aficionado because I know the first six months of living there, I was kind of freaked out a little bit myself but after a while I just I got accustomed or acclimated that these people are they've moved on you know yeah their parents and their grandparents probably did some really nasty shit but um, you know they they had to move on it's a tough tough uh, psychological situation and uh, fascinating too at many levels and 
Yeah, so 2019 drove around there. Yeah, they have some weird um, cultural things. They're really rule-oriented, which, you know, it's okay, you know. And if you're just visiting, you don't have to live there. That's the other fun part about it was I knew I was just passing through. So, But what, what was really funny, I don't know if I told the story about going to Versailles in Paris, and there was this German family there like we, we didn't know we just we just showed up and we were like in a hurry to get there on at like one o'clock in the afternoon and you had to be there between one and one thirty. it was like 10 after one we like parked the car and we're heading up to the entrance and we're like we don't know where to go there's nobody there because it's france they don't have people giving directions you know you know if it was germany they'd have somebody out there like pointing like this line's for this and this is for that but it's france so it's a free-for-all right so I'm kind of like, well, sh- I don't want to wait the end of this real big long line. Let's just go up to the front and see what's going on. So we head to the front of the area where the entrance is, and there's like these people like going around this line, but it was like, I could tell it was just like a chaotic line. It was informal, and there's a big gap in there. I'm like, well, hey, let's just, and I'm filming like the stuff going up to the the entrance, and I really wish I kept the full filming going because what happened next was just hilarious. So, so we kind of, I just like, here, we'll just go in here, speaking English to my wife and son, like, let's just go in here for now. It's kind of, it wasn't like all the way at the front, but it was, it was pretty close. It was like three quarters to 80% of the way cutting off the line. And the people, this woman in front of us had like an eight-year-old and 11-year-old daughter or something. And she's like, well, you know, the line doesn't start here. This is not the end of the line, you know. And my wife's kind of like, yeah, we know that. <laughs> and we're holding on to tickets. And uh, the tickets are to get in. You know, we're holding them in our hand. And and she's like, she was just like mad that we stayed in behind her. So it's like we didn't cut her off. Like, you know, if anyone was going to be upset, it would be the people behind but nobody said anything, and it was just like a weird situation. Then she starts talking to her kids in German, knowing, you know, my wife, not knowing that my wife, and I, I mean, I could understand a lot of the German, but my wife is totally fluent, and she's like telling her kids, like, all these people are just terrible, they're just awful, you know? So here she's bringing her German culture to France. You know, and maybe saying that, well, well, you're American, so, you know, you should fit into the German culture, or at least the French culture, and the French culture wouldn't, Oh, man, the French wouldn't like you cutting in line either, would they? I don't know. And it was just a big much ado about nothing. So <laughs> she's telling her kids about how awful my wife is in German. And <laughs> my wife's listening to this. And, and then the little kid, like, listens to her mom and just, like, stares down my wife and gives her this, like, really nasty look. It was hilarious. I wish I had it all filmed. And, and, she's, and then my wife just, like, looks back at her. And... And she said stuff like, oh, look at this woman and her men follow her. And really the truth is, is that it was my idea to cut in line, not my wife's, right? But this German woman has to like make, make a, um, an assumption, right? Because this is the negative thinking of this woman. I wanted to say, are you from the former East Germany? Because you're a real bitch. That's <laughs> what I want. I could tell she wasn't real um, a wealthy um, successful, let's say, German, because she wouldn't be, she wouldn't be in the line like that. But anyway, she was just a run-of-the-mill German, and it just had this attitude. And I'm like, I'm thinking, like, you're in France, so 
So, so why do you feel like you can make the rules up? Why, why do you get to bring German rules to, uh, to Versailles, you know? It's just funny. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to bring American rules either. But the, the, the next part of the story is pretty cool because like we're, we look and we see there's like a second line that's like only got 10 people in it. And we, then I started thinking like, well, shoot, maybe, maybe we don't have to be in this line. Maybe we can just, maybe since we already have tickets, we can just go over there. So we sent our son over and he's like, he comes back. He's like, oh yeah, we can just go over here. <laughs> so, so we basically, we just get out of line and, uh, and get in way ahead of these Germans that was bitching about us cutting them off in line. But it's so telling too, the negativity, like, like a, a positive attitude person, the German woman, she could be like more friendly and go, oh, wait, do you have tickets already? Oh, we're in a line that doesn't have tickets. So we don't have tickets. If you already have tickets, you can probably go right up there. You know, so that's like a positive attitude person. But instead, she chose to be negative and just assumed that, oh, we're just a bunch of assholes and we're going to cut off everybody in line because we, we're Americans and we think we're so freaking great, right? So she makes this assumption on negativity basis and then, then has to spread the negativity <laughs> to her kids, right? So you grow up in this, this bitchy woman's house and what do you learn? You learn to judge the fuck out of everybody. And uh, I'm starting to swear again, but I only have like one listener, so... What the hell? Um, so, uh, so she, so she's in, she's instilling in her daughters like to be judgmental of others and not think the best of people. Like really, all she had to do is like, oh, you've got tickets already. Well, yeah, you should be going up here. But it's just the, it's just the weirdness of this stuff. And there was probably like more Germans visiting Versailles than French people. But that makes sense too, because like in Arizona, there's probably more foreigners going to the Grand Canyon than than Arizona people. You just, you take it for granted that you live there. So you don't really schedule an event to go see it. But anyway, that was really funny. I don't know why I came to thought of that. I really, <laughs> I just like telling the story and, uh, it's so telling. And I just, dang, I wish I had that on video. So yeah, I took a lot of video learning how to use my, my new little toy, my stabilizer, which is kind of fun. And I got some good video of my, um, my wife's aunt who lives in Neuss, Dusseldorf area. And so we did about, I did about 20 minutes of video with the family after we had our last supper in Dusseldorf at the Alter Bahnhof with some Alt beer and German food for the last time. And uh, she's about five years older than uh, uh, my wife's mother who lives here, but she's doing pretty good. You know, she must be like 85. And, uh, yeah, the culture, German culture is, uh, it, uh, it's very, very helpful, you know, and, uh, it seems to be very healthy for her. And I, and I noticed her daughter, I was the first couple of days, Maria came from Lake Constance and she's a interesting daughter married to Giovanni, the Italian John guy, you know. Bee watcher. <laughs> that just remind, reminded me of a famous cartoon I love, which is a Dr. Seuss thing about bee watchers. You know, the bee watchers have to work harder. And uh, yeah, yeah. 
So there's that. Um, so she, yeah, I got about 20 minutes of video walking, walking along the Rhine River. Very peaceful. And the river, like the water moves really fast. It's amazing. So, and the, the boats, the ships were going against the current. It was really tough to do that. But uh, with the current, man, they must be flying, flying through the river, the Rhine. So yeah, very peaceful. Uh, my communist German friend wrote me an email and she said her taxi, I don't know, maybe I talked about this, but the taxi driver said, oh, don't we live in paradise here in Germany? And and then the commie lady asked me, he's like, well, what do you think, Michael? You were just here um, for a couple of weeks. Do you think it's paradise in Germany? And I'm like, well, there's definitely a lot of advantages to uh, Germany. It's pretty cool. But uh, I wouldn't say it's like absolute paradise because, you know, I kind of said, well, people have a sense of entitlement everywhere. So like one cool thing about Germany is they do have so many social programs that it kind of reduces the amount of entitlement uh, mentality because they can just say, someone can say, well, dude, the state's giving you all this money. So what are you complaining about? You know, you got the government program. Whereas in the United States, we have a huge entitlement mentality because the state really doesn't give you much, which is okay too. And like, it causes more resilience and people relying on themselves. So um, that's good. So, yeah, there's a lot of great things about Germany, but there's also not so good things. Hey, good morning. Good. How's your dog doing there? Good. Yeah? He looks pretty strong. Oh, come on, you guys. You guys can be friendly. Once you want to sniff, just sniff. You guys will be fine. There you go. The tails are wagging. You guys just be cool. <laughs> nice. There you go, bud. Well, it's still cool out. I don't know if you've lived here for a long time, but... 15 years. Oh, have you? Yeah. So it's like June 20, what are we, 22nd already? Yeah. It's not too bad. You can still get a walk-in in the morning. Nope, it's perfect. It's probably one of the cooler ones. We've had some wicked ones. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Oh, uh, since '88, so like 30 years from Chicago area. Oh, Michigan. What part? Kalamazoo or Detroit side? Detroit side of town. Yeah. You know where Traverse City is? Oh, that's beautiful, right up in the north end? Yeah, we got a place up there. Oh, so you're leaving here pretty soon. <laughs> no, just on weekends, still both working, so. Well, I mean, you, won't you want to go up to Traverse City for a month or two and cool off? Uh, I'd like to, but i got a business, so. <laughs> oh, do you? Okay. So I, you know, and it's, you know, too lucrative to keep. <laughs> yeah, well, your business, so if you, when you leave, you can't leave, really, because you have, if you leave, then your business is, uh. No, I got, I got good people, but I can still go away for 10 days at a time. Oh, okay. okay. So it's like, uh, you know, all my people are really good, but, um, you know, so they know what they're doing and stuff. But okay, it's, good. You know, you just come back and keep the train on the... I'm the firefighter. I, okay. I put out fires when they come up. <laughs> are you retired? No, I wish. So. I, I won't be able to, I don't think. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah. Um, I used to work aerospace at Honeywell, but they, they like to unload people when they get to be over 50. Do so, you know John? John. Jensen? John, yeah, yeah, over here. I've met him, yeah. yeah. 
Did he restore Did Corvette? Jensen Jensen? Who is that? No. D John, I think John Jensen. Jansen? I think. Jansen. Jansen. I, uh, Jansen, yeah, Jansen. J-A-N-S-S-O-N. I think I met him, and I think he was electronics mostly, like Motorola, yeah. Yeah. electronics, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've talked to John before. He's been, uh, he, he went through the, you know, when everybody bought everybody and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm about across the street. I bought a foreclosure, so yeah. I bought a foreclosure in 2000 and um, was it eight? Yeah. Yeah. But it was like, one, well, yeah. And I was thinking like, well, this will turn around, but it hasn't really turned around. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think people, you know, funny thing is like people, they sold that one right there. Um, I think for like 350 or something. We sold, oh, we sold it in five days. Yeah, because it was so underpriced. Oh, okay. The one on the corner. Okay. So it's like, you know, I think what's happening is people are panicking because of this, and they won't realize that the people that work on the west side will now be able to come here. She works at 35th and Buckeye. 35th Avenue? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just like right across. So that'll cut a half hour out of your commute probably or something? Hour. It'll probably take me, because if I... 15 minutes. Okay. It'll probably take me about 15 minutes. <laughs> so, so instead of like an hour and 15 minutes going around almost, you know, yeah so. yeah yeah but, hey, i'm michael ward, ward by the way so jim moeller jim moeller how do you spell it like you too m-o-e-l-l-e-r it's a little german then huh yeah yeah prussian i guess Pru prussian <laughs> yeah we my wife's she was born in chicago but uh her family's all german so we kind of love we kind of like the germans i'm irish but yeah I'm irish. Okay. Well, Michigan, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. There's tons of, and you know, Iowa. There's tons oh, of Germans. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. In all those places, because they're a similar climate to Germany. Yeah, and agricultural people. Yeah. yeah. And it's you know, I mean, and plus you know, you know, you're Irish and she's Irish. And I'm Catholic, and you okay. know, I think it, uh, all the Prussians and. You know, a lot of the Germans who were Catholic came over here because of persecution, religious persecution, when Martin Luther came over there. Okay. So, yeah, we just were over in Wittenberg. We went on a trip. Oh, nice. So, so I love the story. But most of Northern German is, like you say, is yeah. now Protestant or whatever, and Southern German is. Uh, but the Prussians yeah, were by, all Northern. Yeah, yeah. But the Prussians were all in the North, right? Yeah. So they were, they were that. Yeah, we but were in, I, yeah. You know, that's, I mean, because I, I did that, you know, I did like three different uh, gene things. Oh, okay, okay. So that's where, you know, our families came from that area. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I'm guessing it's because they were persecuted, <laughs> religious persecution. Well, that and who knows, you had uh, Napoleon running through there in the early 1800s. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, I went back quite a ways, you know, but I think I'm like third, third generation. Do you know about what year, like your they came over, well, like as eighteen hundreds or? My grandfather was here, and he was born in like eighteen eighty nine or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. So he was here, so he might have been. I think he was born here. Okay. So he so that's one, two, and three that are like Native Americans. Okay. Okay. And I think the fourth one is the one that came over, because that's well, about the right time. I trace mine back to an Irish guy. I couldn't believe it. I think he's joking. He came over in eighteen fifty eight. Mm -hmm. But his name is Moses Ward. And I'm like, Moses is a Jewish name. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, was his name like Michael or something? And when he got to the 
entry and he just said, I'm Moses or something. I don't yeah. know what, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out like yeah. who, who in, is Ireland do they really call up in the 1850s would they actually call someone Moses? I don't, yeah. there, I don't think there was too many Jewish people in Ireland. Yeah, right, right. And then, the but they land. did, he did come with that. Um, I did some studying about that famine, they call it. Yeah. They call it the potato famine, but it was actually a bigger deal. And it turns out it's, it's controversial because some people think the English yeah. made it worse or something. I don't know the details, but there were like 4 million people in Ireland at that time. And like a million of them died and a million of them left. So their, their population was cut in half. And, yeah. and, uh, Most of those people didn't, never went back. Yeah, yeah. They came here. You know, it was like <clears throat> that's where the wake and everything came from. You know, like you're alive, but <clears throat> we'll never see you again. Okay, okay. You know, so it was like a party. <laughs> so I don't. Kind of the Irish, <clears throat> excuse me. The yeah. Irish tradition, you know. Yeah, yeah. Of so the, of the, the happy funeral, kind of like New Orleans, New Orleans. Okay. Well, Ireland is beautiful. I mean, I, it looks really nice. But there's, I think they're only up to like six million people there now. But you well, know. we've been there a, a few times, and it's uh, you know that was the first place in Europe we ever went. I have not really been there before. I don't think I stayed just, in. No, I haven't. Nine different castles the first time. Oh, okay. And all the, all the big ones, Ashford and Adair and Didn't you like Waterford and everything, and all. I mean, it's just a great place. And Didn't you like the people? Yeah, the people True. were phenomenal. They, I think people leave them alone or something or or something. They they do probably friendly because they don't very friendly because they don't get a lot of people. Yeah. Trying to get and, in there or you something. Know, we've been to Scotland and England a few times. And you know, uh, we've been to Greece and Santorini and, you know, Athens and all kinds of places. So we just, you know, we're going on a, we've never been on a river cruise. Okay. We're doing the Christmas one. Okay, where, where at? Oh, are you? Yeah, you fly and into, we're going to fly into Vienna three days ahead. Okay. And then take the cruise from Vienna to Nuremberg. Okay. And it's, all, and it's Christmas markets all the way. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a winter, basically. It starts on yeah. Thanksgiving. Okay. And then we get... We'll take a train from Nuremberg to Munich to stay there three days. Okay. At the bigger airport. Yeah. Well, we, we just did a, there's a walking tour, English speaker, like three hours in Munich. Highly recommended. Oh, wow. It's like, it's like maybe 20 bucks and then they want a tip. Yeah. Then they want you to tip them. But the guy did a great job, talked about the downtown Munich. Um, we were in Nuremberg for like a couple hours. I like the crystal. You'll probably go to the Christmas market in Nuremberg, yeah, which is pretty famous. That's yeah, yeah. And, uh, but like a mile away from there is the former, um, well, no, from Nuremberg, there's, um, uh -oh. the former, um, the, I was just talking about it, the, uh, rallies, Nuremberg rallies. Yeah, yeah. So every summer Adolf would go to the stadium and they would have all these people there and he would be preaching to the, the crowd. Right. So they kept the stadium. It's like ruins, right? It's just, you can walk right up to where, yeah, yeah. You can, you can walk like right up to where on the podium looking out over this ruins it's like not they just left it i kind of like the germans because they don't hide their all this stuff so and they even on driving on the roads they'll have a sign that says this way to the concentration camp which is like what i mean that's yeah. weird right yeah. but they don't hide the, the history yeah. well that's it. there's that one dock out we're going to go to that one near munich yeah and that's a, it's it's weird because that's a beautiful area but there's a concentration camp there so your my mind goes like well, the city, there's a city named Dachau there. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. just called the Dachau Concentration Camp because it's in Dachau. So and there's a beautiful castle there, too. Yeah. And, uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, you just, you know, when you're thinking about it, you just think, oh, it's out in the middle of nowhere. But it's like in the middle of a city just about. Like yeah. on the outskirts. The rock, yeah. the walking tour you thought was really Walking tour is great. When, well, I, and so when I went to Dachau, the museum, it's very solemn, right? It's very sobering. Yeah. But I, I, I noticed there were, had these patches. You, you may, if you may see it, but in German it says Zweite, which is second, yeah. right? So you kind of read it, and it's like you get a patch on your uniform that says you've been there for the second time. And, I'm, and my mind's going like, dude, you were there once? Yeah. You got out? How, <laughs> what? Yeah. 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 <laughs> what were you thinking? Yeah. You know, you get, get out. <laughs> It's like, how? Well, I I know the guy didn't want to come back, but like, you know, do something so that either leave the country or something. But don't don't hang around to get picked up again. (laughs) He's about five five years old. Yeah. Oh, this guy's thirteen, or she's thirteen already. Yeah, she's a a rescue dog, so you never know exactly what time. Right. How long have you had her? For, have you had for 12? She was six when we got Oh, her. so seven years then? Yeah, yeah, probably about seven years or so. <laughs> there, yeah. I don't know why she does that. She's playful, but... Well, well, is it the heat? Like, he'll sit down in the heat. Yeah. This is like the English Bull Terrier, you know? Hello. Morning. Hi, Sophie. Hey, puppy. Yeah. I can't let her go. Okay. Okay. What are you doing? We had another one before this one, and we got it from a rescue, and um, she was a bait dog, so we couldn't. The other one. It was a white one, but her face was all scarred up. Oh. Oh. We were like, oh, bait dog. She couldn't be your. She was great with people, but she could not be. She hated other dogs. Yeah. This one just—they found her in a field, and they couldn't. So he he was a rescue too, um, but he was he was hey hey guys he was rescued by someone in Awa, another person in Awatuki, and then she was like seventy years old and she, he was only like six months old, and he has a lot of energy and she's just like I can't walk him all the time you know, so she gave him up and we were lucky to get him. I've never had this kind of dog. He's a miniature Schnauzer, poodle. And so I just feel like so fortunate to have this guy. Yeah. And he's, I would, I don't know, I'm not a big breed guy. Like I got to yeah. have this breed and right. stuff. Right. And I don't like like 80, 90 pound dogs. No. And he's 22 pounds. Well, the males are so twice as big as, this for, as the females. Okay. They're like in the 70s and I like 80s. smaller dogs too. So we yeah. always get the females. Oh. <laughs> this breed has, I mean, it's still 46 pounds. They have a mind of their own. He's like, 46 pounds. Like we'll 46, her, okay. And yeah. she'll just look at you like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll come on my own time. Yeah, they're, they're notorious for like. What's the name of the breed? Uh, English Bull Terrier. Oh, English Bull Terrier. Okay. And some people, yeah, like the Target dog or um, Patton had one. Oh, okay. Okay. A little white yeah. dog. Okay. So you, this is brindle color, and they almost all look the same. They almost all got this mark on them too. Oh, okay. And then they got the white ones, and then yeah. they got uh, like a tan one. And he got like a mix yeah. of all of them. Is he the same kind of breed that was that Spuds McKenzie yeah, yep. beer commercial thing? Yeah, well, who Target did? Dog. A Target dog, but also Spuds McKenzie. Yep. Was it? Yep. Was that Target or was that Budweiser? Bud Light. Bud Light. That was Bud Light. We got that. We got that poster. Okay. We found one. We had it from when we were young. Yeah, yeah. We found. We like. What is this? Oh, Spuds McKenzie. We were going through to donate stuff, and we had all these posters, and we're like, oh my god, I can't believe that. 
That was like 35 I think it was like ago. a free poster from Budweiser or something. Okay. Remember they used to have some great commercials. <laughs> Well, that's cool. Yeah, so you'll love that trip. V- Vienna, I, I would love to spend time there. That's an interesting place. My sister Nuremberg. She said it's her favorite city. So, okay, okay. So. I don't think it was bombed too much. That's what's what's funny yeah. about, not funny, but I mean, you, you get to Germany and there's like, you know, this city, even Munich, that you'll see the downtown yeah. is rebuilt. And they did a pretty good job of it. Well, but, Nuremberg, and, apparently they bombed the main city, but they didn't bomb the old town. Okay, okay. You know, so there's like the old city is still there. But where the you know all the German stuff went on, they bombed the crap out of that. Where they where they put the you know that big stadium thing and everything. Yeah. Okay. And so that's all rebuilt. Have you mostly gone in the summertime when you went? Well, we don't go that often. So with my wife was the we I used to live in outside of Berlin for about five years, oh. and uh, so that's how I got to be interested in Germany and stuff. So my wife hadn't been back in 25 years. I went on oh. two business trips, but business trips are kind of yeah. quick, yeah. you know. So this is the first time my wife's been back, and she has relatives there in Dusseldorf and Munich, actually, too. Yeah. And, and so we did like a little tour with our 19-year-old son, and we took him along. So we went, it was a lot of driving. It was 2,500 miles I was driving. Wow. <laughs> but we, it was... It was you're on the Autobahn. Well, yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, that's kind of fun, but, you know, people talk about, I don't know what your political views are, but they talk about this income inequality thing. And I'm like, well, on the Autobahn, there's speed inequality. Yes. So, so you, if you don't have a fast enough car, then you, you better get out of the way because you yeah. don't. Have, some guy on a Ferrari is going to go 100. And you won't see him. Right. He's right, on your right. I got flashed once because I was like, I wasn't paying. I mean, I was sort of paying attention, but this guy, they come up so fast, and he he flashed me like, I was probably up but way up at that tree. That's how far. I mean, you know, he saw me and he's like, I'm going 180, and I'm only going 100. Yeah. So he's like, I'm gonna. You better get out of my like way. Just walking. <laughs> and so the speed inequality. I'm even if I'm going 120 miles an hour, I'm passing cars that are at 80, and they're like sitting still almost. But then I have to get out of the way for a guy that wants to zip past me. So it's definitely speed inequality, and there's like you can't make it equal. It's like you either have to have enough money to afford one of those super fast cars, yeah. or forget about it, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah, so much like, uh, what is it, the Audi R8? There you go, you know, yeah. I mean, but that's like a, you know, low to mid-200s. Yeah, it's, they love their cars over there, I tell you that. So, yeah. You know, and that's a German one, and, uh, um, you know, I'm sure Mercedes has got a big one, but theirs are more sedans. Yeah. I think they got a couple, of, like, sporty-looking ones. Sure, sure. And then Beamer has a, you know, a couple the, big ones, too. Like the and the, yeah, 8, I, 800 series. Sure, I, I, I mean, I, I'm now I'm completely bought in on German cars, and I, I, well, you're from Detroit area. See, I, the, the, my thing is like every Detroit auto employee, they don't have the they the miles per hours is 55, 65. So the, every employee, designer, engineer has a limit in their head about how fast these cars are going. Whereas in Germany, they're like, it's unlimited. Yeah, and they and so they really push their limit. And they really put a lot into the cars, and every employee knows how many horsepower their car is. I, yeah. You know, they're kind of like, well, my car only has 150 horsepower. And they know that because when they get on the Autobahn, they, get, they can't keep up with people, right? So the whole culture is a car culture over there. And I think it, they all make better cars just simply because yeah. everybody has it in their head. Yeah. Whereas in the United States... Well, Detroit is the only city I've ever lived in where if you didn't get a car every two years... 
you mm -hmm. were, you know, considered, you know, on the lower end of the scale, you know? Okay, so, okay. So, I mean... Yeah, the mindset was... The mindset, because everybody worked there, you know? Oh, they had... If you a, worked for the... If you were a, an executive for GM, you would take a new car and drive it for 3,000 miles for free, and then you turn it over and somebody else in the company would buy it. Okay, Stuff okay. Stuff like that, you know? So, and technically, they were supposed to fill out all this shit about, you know, <laughs> what they're doing. But, you know, guys would have... You know, Corvettes and all kinds of stuff, you know, high-end cars and everything, all the time, the executives would. And, you know, when you live in Detroit, there's executives from Chrysler, Ford, and GM everywhere. Right, right. You know. And the suppliers, too, then. Yeah, everybody. So, you know. But the roads, see, like the other thing, the roads I've driven around Detroit, the, the freeways aren't that good condition. The worst freeway I've ever driven on is I-94 between <laughs> Detroit and Chicago. Okay. Right Kalamazoo. Okay. Okay. It's the worst freeway. And, and everything. And see, that's what all those automobile companies should have invested in good roads yeah. because then people enjoy driving more. I, you know, I, and the roads here are beautiful. You probably love these roads yeah. out here. Well, we don't have the freezing thaw and all that stuff. Right. I got it. Right. So yeah. So I, I, I'm a big believer in the German car well, system. You know, all her family, including her, used to work for Ford Motor. Okay, okay. So, you know, I mean, we get Fords. I mean, she's got a, she's got a Jag now, but okay. it's, uh, you know, we used to have a... But wasn't that bought by Ford? It, Jaguar? Well, that's yeah, it was I, for a while. Okay. It was for a while, then an Indian guy bought it, so okay. we still consider it, it used to be Ford. Well, and actually, out of all the three, the big three, Ford was the only one that didn't take bailout money, yep, right? Yeah, that's nope. why we, and, yeah. And, they're, and they're, they got the best, you know, I, I got an F-150, my business truck, I just... You know, I don't even have carpet in it, but it's a, it's got the V's, the EcoBoost V6, which, like, if you jump on it, man, you can, okay. it's okay. got some kick to it. Okay. It's kind of like, um, it, it reminds me of the Hemi that I used to have in my Chevy sure. truck. Okay. Where, like, you jump on it, and, like, you could pull out, the guy's going 50, and he's at that driveway. You could pull out in front of him and get way ahead of him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I respect the Ford much more than General Motors. Yeah. Because my, my, I'm, I, I'm not my, a General Motors fan. I, I think their cars are ugly, too. My, my personal story on against General Motors is my dad's. He's passed away, but he had a, a $50,000 bond with General Motors oh. in 2007 or eight when they went bankrupt. Oh, yeah. And so when they bailed out General Motors, all the, there was like $5 billion in bond money that just disappeared. So, so like, that was his, too. He, had, he only had 50000 but fortunately, my dad had his investments, not all in General Motors, yeah. right? But, I mean, it kind of stinks to me. And in my head, I'm like, this is personal. Like, yeah. my dad lost 50 yeah. grand. Yeah. And, and the government bailed out these guys. And normally, the way it's supposed to work is bondholders get money first. Yeah. And then, stock right. shouldn't get any money. Right, oh, right. That's right. how it works. And they, they, they passed some law or something that screwed the uh, shareholders. Okay. I they, mean the bondholders yeah. instead, instead of the guys who should have been, which is the common stock guys. And, and, and let's say the government, let's say it was a $50 billion or whatever it was bailout. Why don't they carve out the five, $4 billion and pay off the bondholders exactly. as, long, as long as you're bailing them out? You know, I, I don't know. I just never understood that. I always thought the bond was a lot more secure. Right, they were supposed to be. to be, yeah. Yeah, they're up to <laughs> instead of, instead of, of equity. equity. Right, right. So my, my dad's passed away. He got over it. But, you know, it just kind of, 
it was, fortunately he had other investments and it wasn't more than 10 percent of his investment so but it just it just well, still like, remember all the bernie madoff people yeah yeah okay like, you know all the you know the jewish people they were all like they're pissed at him but they invested because somebody told them they should and he was he was getting extraordinary returns on everything it's like isn't that a red flag when everybody else is losing money and he's gaining like 20 percent yeah yeah so it's like let's put all our money in that and then they're you know i'm not saying he was right but they enabled him to do that yeah by doing stupid shit like, yeah oh, no only he only accepts you know money from the jewish people or something like that they'd you know and he it was just i saw a special on it it was like you know it's like when i was in banking you know they we used to have a saying that said you know, stop me before i borrow again you okay know, it's like didn't you take the money you know i, I saw stories of people in detroit who had a hundred thousand dollar house they had no debt on it they borrowed a hundred grand because of course their property is going to go up yeah. and what they do they bought a hundred thousand dollar kitchen and then went on vacation yeah okay did you not spend the money yeah you yeah. wasted it <laughs> you, you know it's kind of like you could have lit a cigar with it but still you borrowed it yeah yeah and it's like no they forced me to borrow yeah yeah I was like, were they moving your hand electronically or something <laughs> you know and so that i've never been never you know there are some that took advantage some blend. well we well we it's all about selling too right so someone's sell like if i sell the guy a hundred thousand dollar mortgage that guy gets maybe a thousand bucks in his pocket right yeah. so he's going to convince you like oh yeah borrow a hundred grand right so there's always the well, salesman so basically i think it's like 50 50. So, okay. you know it's like yeah, he sold it, but you took the bait. And yeah, it. yeah. And, and, and maybe it's eighty twenty, you know. House. Yeah, yeah. Buying a new house. You you can't afford it, so you're getting an interest only loan for five years. Yeah. That doesn't make sense either. Right. But you know there was so much going on. They were, um, you know, what had happened is the government said you have to provide houses to people regardless of whether they can pay you know basically that they, that's not what they said but that's what they did and that was uh was a guy from massachusetts uh mitt romney what mitt, mitt romney or no 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 uh he was a democrat he was responsible oh that he was one of the dodd frank dude no dodd. Uh, barney frank barney frank dodd frank all yeah. that stuff yeah and he was the one who sat up and because Fanny and Freddie were saying, look, we're getting a ton of defaults. And he said, no, there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> and so they went on for years like that. Every yeah. time they come in, they say, hey, there's something wrong. And he go, no, there isn't. And so he was responsible too. So it was the government that started it because what's a banker going to do? I'm not taking all the losses. I'm going to pass it on. So they made the syndications. Yeah. So what they did is they piled all these things together and sold them to investors. But instead of slicing them up by property. Okay, I, I stopped that recording for a while. It was, uh, I think it might be interesting anyways. <laughs> but it was just talking to strangers, right? There's that uh, Australian gal I met. She's got a book. It says, do talk to strangers. Well, I don't need to read the book because I just do it naturally, but that's okay. So... Yeah, but that's okay. That's a good thing. It resonates with me. So, yeah, we talked about the financial crisis. We talked about business and uh, Michigan, Germany. Yeah, you heard it all. 
you heard it all. And I decided to cut it off. And uh, I think I'm still probably on a, a high from uh, the trip, of course. And I'm also adjusting to uh, time zone thing. But yeah, it's so refreshing to get away. I don't know how long this buzz is going to last, but and the, the buzz of being away. And uh, really, it was, I guess it was 25 years yeah, since we actually lived there. But I did have a couple visits between, but it's just different, and especially bringing my uh, youngest son along. And he's probably, his head's probably spinning like, what was that all about? <laughs> what, what was all this stuff about? So anyway, that was good. So it's starting to warm up out here. The sun is beating down. They're still working on the wall out here. Um, I better come out here with the camera sometime, get some film work. In fact, maybe I'll, I don't know, it probably won't let me film and uh, uh, film and also um, do video, but we'll see. Come on, bud. Bud's, uh, bud got a good rest there once we chatted for a long time. So, yeah, yeah, what self-awareness. So that my, my one listener thinks I'm really self-aware, but I don't know if I really am. Uh, there's, a, there's, I guess there's a balance that, uh, like some people think I'm just full of BS, like my favorite guy, um, Nigel Lambert. I never heard so much boo shit in all my life. So there's that. So I'm self-aware of that. So that's his perception of me. But I, I, I feel hurt by it because I don't, I don't really feel that that is my thing, you know. So, you know, hey, bud, let me, uh, should we go out here? Should we do something? Maybe I'll take some video of this. I'm down to one. This is my last poop bag, bud, so you're not going to be able to poop the rest of the way. And maybe we'll go see the kids. I don't know how the kids are doing. Gavin and Grant. So, Oh Dark 30. I don't know what Oh Dark 30 was, but Melissa went over to Oh Dark 30 Camelback, which is a nice thing. It's about a half hour drive from here. But uh, yeah, the wall, this wall is going up. So I think what I'm going to do is pause and get some video without, without the stabilizer, though. I'm not going to have my fancy stabilizer, so let's do that. So let's uh, let's get some video. So I'll, maybe I'll do this in segments. All right, bye. Okay, I'm going to risk it here. We got Bud here. We're going to see. He wants to go to the house. I think he's going to go to the front door here. I don't think they're home though. I think they're out and about. Should we? Uh, We'll ring the doorbell. We got this. Oh, buds. Ding dong. Anybody home, bud? We'll see. Oh, buds. We don't know. He seems to think there's somebody home. Is there? Anybody walking? What do you think, bud? Here comes a car. No, nobody home, bud. I don't think there's anybody home. So there we go. Gavin Grant, they must have stayed up in the Scottsdale area and had breakfast or something after enjoying the 
Camelback Climb. All because of Facebook, right? The, the Freiwillige Stasi-Staat. That means the free, freely willing giving away of information. So, um, yeah, let's go, bud. Come on. Enough, enough, enough. We, we've been out for a long time. In fact, I think I need to hustle back to get home. Shoot. Bud, we've been out for too long. Let me check the time there. Because that is 8.30. Yeah, i got to get home quickly. But we got to walk fast. we got to walk fast. And why do we have to walk fast? Because my wife's going to head out at 9 o'clock with the computer to teach two hours of German. So um, that's what she's going to do. And uh, um, it was interesting. The gentleman asked me, are you retired? It's like, no, I'm not retired. <laughs> Am I retired? Jeez. I mean, I guess you get... Uh, morning. Morning. You get all kinds with uh, the age groups, right? I mean, if I was the owner of the Minnesota Twins, I guess I could retire. But, uh, yeah. So we'll see how this jet thing works. And um, so, um, yeah, Tom... Other people haven't called me back. Whatever. Let's see how it goes. And uh, I just got to put it out there, man. Outlier. Be an outlier. Add your value. Be abundant thinker. Am I really abundant thinker? I don't know. It's 83 degrees and the humidity went down to 28. I, I'm guessing the humidity will probably hit 12%. Maybe, it, maybe it's going to smoke up. It's only 8.30 in the morning, so maybe by 3 in the afternoon, maybe the humidity is going to, like, smoke down to 8 or 9%. But it is only going to be 98 today. And that's what we do in Arizona. We talk about the freaking temperature and the humidity and the dew point. Well, at least I do. And I'm an outlier, man. <laughs> do I have my one listener enjoying this? I hope so. It's all about entertainment. It's dulcet tones. It's talking. It's throwing ideas out there. It's, I'm an ideator. That's my skill, my strength, ideate. Strategic thinking, ideate. And so I'm a strategic thinker, but I better be an entrepreneur and strategically think on my own behalf. Because if I'm gonna strategically think on someone else's behalf, I better get a good, good payback, right? So that's what we learn from people strategic thinkers you need to get if you're a strategic thinker then be an entrepreneur because it's hard for visionaries and people with strategic thinking to um, get paid what they're worth right and all comes I mean it comes down to that one even that one um, compensation package thing with my French bud. We had a good thing going with this in-flight entertainment thing. And if you win the contract, it's big, you know? It's a lot of money, you know? And the incentives, incentivizing things is the, is the trick. So, I mean, is it just like an internal game that people play? Like, oh yeah, wink, wink, nod, nod. Sell, sell stuff at like 4% margin and then get paid and get your bonus 
uh, for that kind of stuff. So um, that is, I'm out, bud. I'm out of my bags. So I don't have one, bud. I'll have to come back and get that one later. Are you done yet, bud? Come on, bud. So um, the, what do I call it? Yeah, so the dude could have sold like a five-year contract, total of like 80 million bucks, right? But they would only want to give him credit for like $4 million a year for five years or something crazy like that. And, uh, and yet it's really worth 80 million bucks, you know? So there's no rhyme or reason and, you know, I don't know what, the, I didn't stick around there long enough to understand it, but I just like, I've always been like, just sell it, dude, just go sell something. If you want to make more money, go sell it. I kind of like that situation, but I'm not, I've never really been a pure sales dude, like, you know, thinking of like, I'll sell anything, but I guess that's what pure salespeople do, sell anything, sell training, sell sell this sell that what's the what's the uh benefit and with the latest mindset shift is like do half the work make twice the money or how about do two or three things halfway make triple the money six times the money i don't know right now i'm technically not making any money <laughs> so <laughs> Oh, man. Life is weird. Crab mentality. Did we talk about crab mentality in depth? I'm not sure. The crab mentality is like, ooh, someone's getting free. They're getting out of the bucket. Pull them back into the bucket. Yeah. So I'm not out of the bucket yet. I'm trying to. And don't let people pull you back in, I guess. It's really great articles on that. And it's also a biological... Uh, factoid. Now, the weird thing too is like, I've been reading this Dawkins thing, which was uh, really funny. I had this selfish gene thing, and my my Freddy and St- friend in Starnberg say, um, the Starnberg say guy is like, oh yeah, he's a big atheist dude and stuff like that. So I'm like, all right, I'll finally start reading this selfish gene. And like in the first paragraph right away, I see like a glaring like air, you know. It's like, oh, well, Charles Darwin was the first one to recognize that people are selfish. <laughs> like, yeah, if you ignore all of history, that's true. Up until Charles Darwin, you know, there's clearly, clearly the guy doesn't understand Jewish literature and Jewish writing. Because it says several times, like 1,500, 2,000 years before Darwin, that everyone does what's right in their own eyes, right? That's a pretty clear statement on selfishness of the human soul and mind, right? So here the guy starts out in paragraph number one with a huge air and just really turns me off to... I knew, I knew the book would be kind of pain in the butt. It's evolutionary, but what do they call it? No. Uh evolutionary biology is that what they talk about i guess something like that psychology no evolutionary psychology something like that the selfish gene so yeah we do everything's right in your own there's altruism and stuff like that it's just kind of weird stuff but you know he still thinks that it's all based on evolution that we came from like 
amoebas and monkeys and things like that. And then they'll have a story about some birds that like, oh, they sacrifice themselves as altruistic and warn the crowd that there's predators coming. Oh, they're so altruistic, you know? It's like, well, maybe that bird is actually faster and uh, can outfly or whatever the predator. So maybe he should be the one that signals to the rest of the people that uh, that there's predator around there, right? So, I mean, it's like, it's like so, to me, it just seems obvious that the dude, Dawkins dude, is like, he's got his agenda and opinion already. So he just like presents his factoids that are support his opinion, but they're also not completely thought out. For example, like that it's not like all those birds are equal. And that's one of the problems too with his whole theory too. It's like there's seven billion people on the planet. We're not all equal. We're all different. We all have different skills and abilities. And that's not, you know, it's like you would, in Dawkins' world, you'd have to like deny that there's people have strengths, you know, because obviously the guy does strength finders and he can categorize people's strengths. But according to Dawkins, we just evolve. So we all have the exact same strengths. We're just like robotic creatures. And there's no soul, there's no personality, but that doesn't line up with reality. So the guy is so hank honkered down on, convinced that, you know, evolution, there is no God and there, well, you have no spirit. And there's nothing unique about humans. And yet <laughs> there's so much evidence to the contrary. But we just ignore that, dude. That's the whole book, you know. Let's just ignore all kinds of other stuff. So, yeah, it's kind of like church too, isn't it? And so, but this guy Dawkins, he's like, you get like 10, pres 10 things he presents, probably like out of the 10 things he presents, only like two are difficult to argue with. The other eight are clearly have... Uh, conclusive false conclusions based on those eight factoids. You know, you can really dig into those eight factoids and find out what's wrong with them. Whereas in religious circles, the, you know, I was just listening to a message last night and the dude's talking about, you know, obey your leaders from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Again, a verse plucked, completely plucked, right? And you know, spends 10 minutes talking about it, pluck the verse. And it's like, dude, I'm tired of this plucking. Go to the whole chapter, read it. Most of it is about individual responsibility and individually doing stuff. And really obeying the leaders is like a minor contextual statement. And yet, because it suits the purpose of the speaker and his agenda to maintain power and control, in his local church, he wants to be the person to obey, <laughs> whatever that means. It means like run everything by him. It's probably some big gossip machine that they have like, oh, we're praying for you guys every week. We're praying for you. you know, has that, how about talking to people? You know, instead of praying for people blindly is what it comes across like. Oh, we're praying for all these families. We're praying, oh, this is, the, this is the role of the leaders in the church. Well, why don't you try leading by communicating 
and talking to people and asking them what's going on in their life. Find out what's going on in their life. Don't just guess at it and, and gossip. And that's probably probably the key problem with this local, this particular expression of the local church is they would rather gossip about people and, oh, we're trying to figure this out and, oh, you know, just directly ask people. I mean, I, we all have this problem. It's a maturity thing. I have it. I'm not saying I got it figured out, but just, I mean, it's almost laughable to think that for 20 some years at this church, you know, my name and family shows up on a list that they're praying for, but they have no idea what's going on in my life. And they, all they can do is assume and, you know, obviously based on this text message I received from an elder, you know, I'm about to go off the deep end into like heresy or something. I don't know what it is, but I'm obviously going off into the deep end. So with that, made it home in time to help with the computer, but it'll probably be a whole frantic excitement going on in the next 15 minutes. But I just have to, I'm just gonna have to suck up the next 15 minutes of excitement and deal with it and then I can move on so that is that's going on and bud I need to get you I gotta get some new bags for you bud and we'll go from there how about that bud oh he's running in so folks grace mercy and peace and my one listener I hope you enjoyed that because there you go. That's the real deal. Bye.